Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hello and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the greater Vancouver area. The intention of this podcast is to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle. I'm 42-year-old and expecting baby number two, while my son is one-and-a-half-year-old. Today on Parent Talk, we are talking about ear infections, so let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. Hey everyone, Heather Fox here, co-host of Parent Talk. I'm 40 years old and my son Hudson is also a year and a half. Hi, my name is Adrian Gooey. I'm an otolaryngologist or an ear, nose and throat doctor. And I have a wonderful three-year-old daughter and I'm really glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So let's dive into today's subject. Um, so Adrian, uh, what happened when our child has ear infection? Okay. So to start off, we should talk about what we mean when we're saying ear infections. There's a lot of different types of ear infections, and usually what we're talking about is a middle ear infection, otherwise known medically as acute otitis media. That's talking about the space behind the eardrum. So it's not a space that you can see very easily unless you have an otoscope, so medical equipment. And what's happening in this case is there's problems with the pressure behind the eardrum. There's a pressure valve that goes from the middle ear space to the back of the nose called the eustachian tube. And in children especially, this tube is shorter, narrower, and a different angle. So there can be more problems with that space in terms of the pressure. We think that there's negative pressure that builds up there, fluid could build up there, and that fluid can get infected causing an ear infection. Mm -hmm. So what causes an ear infection? Great question. So most ear infections, are actually viral. Many can be bacterial as well, maybe around half of them or so, but many of them are viral. So there's certain viruses, RSV is one of the common viruses that'll cause it. And in terms of bacteria, it's your common pneumonia bacteria that, that cause these infections. Mm-hmm. So I guess when my mom says, if I go outside and I don't put my coat and I have this big draft of cold air on my back and I'm going to get an ear infection, it's not true it's we don't really have a good physiologic explanation for that mechanism so i would probably stick more to the eustachian tube and your other pathogens is your mom ever said that to you heather no but my husband does (laughs) so funny (laughs) so what are the treatments options so this is an interesting question because many of them are viral most viral infections will get better on their own Mm but many can be bacterial and there is evidence in the medical literature that treating with antibiotics can improve some of the symptoms early on but won't necessarily always make a a difference into long-term course especially if it's viral so when you go to the doctors and they take a look in the ear and they listen to your history and they think there's an ear infection there's certain factors that they're thinking about in terms of whether to recommend antibiotics for many kids if there aren't any bad signs They'll say, listen, you know, a lot of these get better on their own. Let's keep an eye on it. Maybe come back to the clinic. Or maybe if it's difficult for families to come back to the clinic, they'll give you a prescription for an antibiotic and say, hey, if this doesn't get better in a couple of days, why don't you fill out the prescription, use it. 
So who are the kids that probably should get antibiotics? There are some guidelines put out um, by the American Academy of Pediatrics and probably children that are less than six months of age should get antibiotics just because they're so young and any potential complications could be very significant for them. Any child that has very severe symptoms, so we're talking about temperatures of 39 degrees or more, or if they're having a lot of severe pain or it's really affecting them, then antibiotics is also recommended. And then there's the group of patients that have what we call complicated acute otitis media or complications from the infection. And that's involving the mechanism of the infection or spread of the infection to other areas. So those complicated acute otitis media or, or middle ear infections can be drainage from the ear where the infection bursts out through the eardrum. So those will usually get some antibiotics and sometimes drops as well. The other potential complications that can happen, and now these are very rare complications, but things to watch out for. Um, the infection can spread to the bone behind the ear called the mastoid and be called acute amastoiditis or infection of that bone there. That should get antibiotics and really they should be seen by a doctor soon and get into a hospital and they likely need intravenous antibiotics and possibly a tympanostomy tube or T-tube. And the other complication that can occur, again, it's rare, but it can happen, is intracranial infection, spread of the infection uh, to the brain area or around the brain area. So if you're noticing that your child is really lethargic or just seems really out of it, not responsive, really get into the hospital, and they likely need, again, hospitalization, intravenous antibiotics. Again, I'd like to, uh, again, reiterate that these inf uh, complications are not common. But those are some of the red flags to look out for when you should be thinking that my child really needs some more medical help. Mm -hmm. Is there any natural treatment options? Um, so that's a great question. Again, in, in the medical literature, there aren't a lot of things that have been proven. The middle ear space is actually, in some ways, very similar to the rest of your respiratory system. So I'm talking about the lungs, the throat, the sinuses. So if you have some dietary effects on your respiratory system, such as, you know, I'll have patients say that uh, some of their children are sensitive to dairy or sensitive to gluten, then because it affects the respiratory system, it can affect uh, their ear as well. Other than that, there aren't a lot of natural remedies that have been proven too much. Um, in terms of preventing the ear infection, otherwise, you know, one of the good things is just good hand washing, which is a good general kind of infection control. Mm -hmm. So is there any common age group for kids to get ear infection? The most common age group for children is going to be six months to about 18 months. Uh, but you can see ear infections anywhere before that into later childhood and adults get ear infections as well. But mm -hmm. that's the most common age range. And when we look at our child, is there a sign and we can see like they're grabbing their ears or, you know, and especially when they're not speaking yet. Right. And that's a, that's a perfect one um, for... For children, they may grab at their ears or rub at their ears or just be irritable. For the really young children, it's often just irritability, um, not wanting to eat um, before the point where uh, the children's able to express themselves more or have the motor skills to, to even grab at their ears. Later for children, they may express as well some change of the hearing or some hearing loss as well. So how can we prevent them? Or actually, can we prevent them? In terms of prevention, again, just general infection control, good hand washing. There are certain situations where they'll increase your chance of 
an ear infection for children. And those are really situations where the children are surrounded more kids because more kids just means more bugs, more viruses, more more things kind of floating around. So that includes daycare, but it's really from a practical standpoint, difficult to take your kid out of daycare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And situations where you have a lot of children in, in close quarters or where you have a lot of children sleeping together in one room. Mm-hmm. It's easier to pass the bugs from one to the yep. other, right? So Heather, have you had a lot of uh, ear infection when you were younger? When I was little, yeah, I had lots of ear infections and tonsillitis. I <laughs> went to the doctor a lot for those different things. And I remember, um, so it wasn't so much really as a baby, actually. For me, it was more the elementary school years, probably from kind of kindergarten through to grade five is kind of the big time that I remember heading to the doctor a lot for that. And um, But yeah, luckily Hudson has not had one or not had one severe enough that we noticed anything. And when he's been sick with his different colds and respiratory things that way, anytime we were at the hospital, they checked his ears and they were always clear. So we've been lucky to so far not have had to deal with it for him. Yeah, mm, well, that's good. I don't think so, Alex, had any uh, ear infection so far. Finger crossed, mm-hmm. right? Adrian, so what happened if it doesn't get treated? So most ear infections, uh, as we talked about before, they'll get better on their own. They're viral. Um, but it's, again, those ones that have the potential for complications to watch out for. So the complications could happen. But again, most ear infections will just get settled down on their own. Mm-hmm. So can you lose your hearing from that? Uh, I'll have a lot of patients and their families ask me about that, whether you can have permanent hearing loss from the ear infections it would be extremely uncommon. So that would be very, very rare. Physiologically, you could have from the infections chronic inflammation or break down some of the mechanisms uh, for hearing in the ear. You can have, again, an eardrum rupture or perforation and a hole there that can cause a little bit of conductive hearing loss. But again, that's not common. Um, so I've heard just from working with families for the last several years, um, when children do get quite a few ear infections that sometimes they end up being tubes in their ears. Do you want to talk about how that might be, if it's common practice or when that might come up? Yeah, that's a great question. Tympanostomy tubes or T-tubes or ventilation tubes, it's still one of the most common procedures that are performed for children. It's a very quick procedure. It's certainly one of the lowest risk procedures, uh, but with any surgery, there is risk, but it's still commonly performed. The situations where you're going to be thinking about a T-tube for a kid include lots of ear infections, and there are certain guidelines. They are just guidelines, but usually we're talking about four infections over 12 months or three infections in six months. Or if there's evidence, like if, again, eustachian tube dysfunction, some ear infections and concern about hearing or speech, we try and get some tubes in to help the kids have the maximum hearing that they can, especially during that learning period and phase in time. Um, and the other situation would be, again, complicated acute media. So if they have any of those spread of the infections or complication, we would get a tube in and actually get a tube in right with that infection really soon as possible to try and really help the spread of that infection. So I guess if you have any doubt, just follow your gut feeling. As a mom, as a dad, just go see your doctor, get everything checked. And yeah, absolutely. I, don't I think wait, that's very yeah. reasonable. Yeah. So I think it's time for a conversation card. It's time for a conversation card. Every week we like to play a game. Not only for fun, but to get to know our guests a little more too. Nobody knows what the mystery card might ask. Sometimes silly and sometimes serious. Let's find out what it will be this week. What are the most important qualities you look for in friends? That's a great question. I think... (laughs) 
for friends, I, I think, you know, a lot of us are so fine. We go through life and you have different friends and different types of friends at different phases. And elementary school, even in high school, sometimes it's friends of just situational convenience. They're just the people that are on the same bus as you, same class, so you kind of become friends that way. In university, I, I found because it was so much more open that, and you're kind of figuring out who you are a little bit, as, as are the people around your age, those friends, you're starting to have more similar interests and those kind of things. And then, you know, you meet people. I've, I've been in very many different cities for training and education. Um, and the good friends, I find that you can be away from them for years and years and then pick up the phone and you just pick up where you've left off. And there are people that know that, uh, you know, that if you need their help, they'll be able to support you and they'll be there. And it's good to have shared interests and things that you can do together, things that you can do to have fun. But, you know, I think for the good friends, it's the people that you can connect with and reconnect with easily and that you know that um, they're there to support you and you're happy to support them. Yeah, definitely. I love those friends that you just like. It's one of my actually good friends, Anna. She works in the film industry and she doesn't have children. <laughs> so our schedules are very, very different. But I mean, we'll go months on end not talking to each other and then pick up the phone or finally get a chance to see each other. And it's like we saw each other the week before. So like those friends are fantastic. Um, definitely some qualities. I mean, positivity. I love people who are definitely positive. I want to surround myself with positivity and people who are authentic. So because they know, you know, those are truly good friends and, you know, they're down to earth and, you know, not going to judge you. And, you know, so, yeah, mm-hmm. no matter some what. great qualities. Yeah, I think um, in in these days and age, I actually I really love my friends that pick up their phone. <laughs> you know, texting goes so far sometimes. OK, that's it. I need a f- I need to talk, right? But yeah, authenticity is the main one and uh, being spontaneous, it's so much fun. I guess it's just me too, right? I just love to just like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Come over and let's do something, whatever. And uh, yeah, just down to earth. The fluff, fluff, all the stuff, (laughs) it's not important to me anyway. So yeah, just good, authentic people. It's my, uh, it's what I look for anyways, yeah. All right, so that concludes today's episode. Thank you, Heather, and thank you, Adrian, for being here. Thank you for your contribution in other parents' lives, helping us be the best parents we can be. For our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the Contact Us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean. Or you can subscribe directly to this podcast on our website so you don't miss an episode of Parent Talk. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcast. So remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents by sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you for listening and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.